Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. This is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And Chris, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was not always the most perfect, obedient kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes my parents would, you know, tell me to do something or maybe they would tell me not to do something. And of course, being the kid I was, I would kind of walk right up to whatever that line was I wasn't supposed to cross, you know, and just, or maybe I would just sort of stick my, stick my toe over it just to see if I could get away with it. You know, this idea, I was testing my parents but I learned along the way, whenever I tested my parents, I always got in trouble. Well, what we're doing in this study, we're not talking about testing parents. We are talking about testing God. And do we trust him enough uh, without, with, without putting him to a test? Lynn, thank you for uh, the introduction and the confession. I'm, to- I'm not surprised at all that you had that temperament <laughs> as a child. Uh, uh, it was I've shared with family members recently that Uh, My mom's favorite verse to quote to me when I was a kid was, be sure your sins will find you out. (laughs) And she was absolutely right. So uh, we we probably share a lot of of things in that regard. (laughs) We are talking about temptation and and we're looking primarily at the the temptation that Jesus faced from Matthew's gospel. This is our third session talking about this. And, and the focus of what we're going to talk about today is just exactly what Lynn described. It is the temptation to test God. So I think that it's going to be a healthy conversation for us to have because, because we, we do that and we're going to see an example of uh, how Jesus was tempted, but also some of the temptations that the children of Israel faced in that regard. Well, joining Chris and I for this conversation is Dr. Jeff Dabbs. Uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us for this podcast. Thanks for having me, Lee, and I appreciate being here. Uh, Jeff is the wrote the the commentary that appears in our leader guides. He wrote the commentary for this particular session. And uh, when, when Jeff is not writing commentary for Lifeway, he serves as the senior pastor at Spring Creek Baptist Church uh, there in Rome, Georgia. Uh, so, Jeff, how long have you been pastor at Spring Creek now? I've been pastor a little over four years. Uh, actually, actually, in June will be five years here. Well, good for uh, so. you. So, tell me what you love about the church. Well, I love I love a lot about the church. Church is a great church, great people, uh, and pastoring. I I, I really, and it may be cliche to say, but I really do just enjoy the people. You know, just ministering to them. I always tell our folks here we're not just a church; we're a family. And uh, we get to celebrate together. We get to cry together. And I just enjoy ministering to, to people on a daily basis. It, it just uh, It's just what God's called me to do. So as we do this podcast, we're, um, we are on a Zoom call, so we're seeing each other. You guys who are listening to this aren't seeing us, but I'm looking over at the over top of Jeff's head at a Georgia Bulldog uh, emblem. So <laughs> congratulations on uh, your Georgia Bulldogs being national champions. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. Uh, and then last year we we overcame uh, the big hurdle and uh, then got to do it back to back. So that was that was that was quite a thrill as a fan. That's awesome, man. So you guys go way back together. Yes, uh, Jeff, you were I believe a student minister back in the day. You were writing for me back in my student days too. That's right. A long time. It's been a long time. So yeah, we're we're a couple of geezers just like you, Chris. <laughs> 
So, all right. Well, let's jump into this study on uh, as we're talking about dealing with temptation. Because as we did last week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the temptation of Jesus as it's uh, recorded in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter four. And we're going to look at these, uh, one of the temptations. But again, like we did last week, we're going to go back to the verse Jesus quoted in Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit to see uh, why Jesus quoted it and the background behind that. So, gentlemen, let me begin with uh, there in Matthew 4 with Jesus's temptation. This is verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will give you his angels uh, orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. But I have to confess to you, I've never been tempted to jump off of a building. Yeah, I want. that's what I want to hit on, Chris. <laughs> Where was the appeal for Jesus? Why would Satan tempt him with this particular action? Well, I think, I think um, probably, and and I, I think y'all would agree, it's probably an appeal to his popularity uh, or to gain uh, some kind of notoriety or pride, uh, because if if Jesus could somehow jump off the the pinnacle of this temple, then he could have called down for this majestic display of God's power. And the whole city would have seen it there at one time. And it would just increase his appeal and his popularity right there at, at, at one time with everybody uh, right there together. So when I was preparing for this, I have to tell you guys, I you said you mentioned pride um, as a temptation. And I, I wrote ego down and I quickly scratched it out because I was like, I, I couldn't even write that down about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's a part of what's at play here, right? Satan is trying to, to trying to get at Jesus at a lot of different angles, and I'm sure the temptation to pride and ego uh, are issues that a lot of our listeners deal with, or people in their groups deal with. Uh, that's that's something that's pretty natural or normal, wouldn't you think? I, I actually had written down too that. Um, this is the temptation where uh, Satan, um, you know, continues to try to use scripture, you know, like uh, like Jesus did the first time. And uh, I, I think it was an appeal to j just kind of a, a, a reminder of, of Malachi 3, the prophecy where um, the Bible records the, the prophet Micah said that uh, the Messiah would just dramatically come to the temple one day. And I, I think Satan was trying to use that to to cause Jesus to do something prematurely or before his time or out of character for God. Um, and, and I think that really, to me, it was just a simplistic thing that Satan was doing by really trying to get Jesus to do something that the people were expecting him to do anyway. Uh, they were already had read about the display at the temple. And let's keep in mind something that I think came out more in the previous session but Jesus had just come off a 40-day fast. I mean, he was technically still on the fast because he hadn't eaten yet. He was there in the desert. And as Jesus, uh, Satan tempted him with the first one about turning stones into bread, Jesus is still hungry. He's still, uh, you know, he's in, in a sense, in a very human sense, he could be very vulnerable. You know how we are when we're tired. And this uh, temptation could sound very appealing. You know, I'm here to be recognized as the Messiah. This sure would be a very fast and quick way to do this, and no cross would be involved. 
Wow. Wow. Jeff mentioned a moment ago, Satan's attempt to misuse scripture uh, in his, uh, uh, in his temptation. And I hope that we have a, the opportunity to have a pretty robust conversation about that um, in our groups. Uh, and what I'd like for us to do as we kind of close out this section is how can we help uh, each other? How can we, what are some, what's some advice we can give uh, to folks uh, to help them to understand um, that Satan will take a passage out of context or try to use that as a part of his approach and what are some things that we can do to be sure that we don't fall for that? Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, uh, again, I, uh, Satan did that um, with Jesus. He purposely misapplied Psalm 91 uh, where the Bible says that, um, uh, that he would give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. And it, but Satan left out the key point of that is in all your ways. Um, in other words, we are, God will protect us and God promises to protect his people if we're in God's will. And I think one of the keys for, for us as a church and um, as leaders, especially is to convince our people to, to really dig into God's word, understand what it says. And, and uh, uh, if they need help, you know, ask and, and and get people to help explain it to them but that we we need to to make sure we take the whole counsel of god and not just you know bits and pieces because satan will try to feed us the bits and pieces well said uh chris you made a comment as you set this up you mentioned how satan often will take scripture out of context so to me the key is i need to put that scripture back in its context uh it's and it's easy you can make the bible say anything you wanted to say if you will just pull a verse out, out completely out of context i mean the bible does say there is no god i mean it, it's right there in scripture uh in the psalms but it says the fool has said in his heart there is no god so i <laughs> just drop it in its context and you kind of get the, we got to get the big picture of what's happening uh and too too often we just hear somebody quote something and we naively may trust them. Uh, but one thing that has driven me all through my ministry is something that uh, happened in Paul's ministry, his second uh, missionary journey. Uh, it says in, in chapter 17, it says, now the Bereans, he had gone to Berean, he, they were more noble. So this is Acts 17? Yes, Acts 17. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, Got to put it in context, Chris. <laughs> uh, the, now the Bereans <laughs> were of more noble character than the Thessalonians because they took what Paul said and examined the scriptures every day to see if what he said was true. And I thought, that's fascinating. Here is Paul, the apostle, Yet the Bereans are called noble because they question, they, in the sense, they question him saying, okay, I want to see what you're saying, and I want to examine the scriptures to see what you said is true. We would all, our churches would benefit, our church uh, believers would benefit if we took more of that kind of approach uh, when we hear preachers and people online just spouting whatever they believe is the truth. Yeah, so we would say to you guys who are listening to this podcast, know the word look at it know the references it would be great and we want to encourage you to read the the commentary and the background content that we provide but have a study bible that you use that will uh, help you to go back and and to see some of the context all of these things are very important for us to do and 
I hope that you will encourage those in your groups um, to to look closely at God's word and understand clearly what it teaches. Right. And Chris, I would add to um, a study partner, um, an accountability partner, somebody that you could really dive into the scriptures with and uh, that you trust. Uh, I think that would help. So what Jesus has done here is he has quoted scripture back at Satan. And uh, as we saw last week where Jesus was being tempted to question God's provision here, I think he's being questioned to question God's provision and his protection. Um, but what Jesus does to counter that is he quotes this passage from Deuteronomy six, you know, don't test the Lord, your God. And what we're seeing here is we should not tempt God for our own purposes. Satan was trying to get him. Hey, now you can, yeah, you can, uh, kind of take a shortcut in your purpose here, but we can't test God in those areas. Before we get, before we get to Deuteronomy six, and I know that's where you're heading. Um, what are some, what are some ways that people put God to the test today? What are some ways that, um, that they ask God to prove himself in ways that are maybe um, not healthy for us, um, in our spiritual walk? Well, that's a great question. I think, um, I, I think we do it all the time. And and I think some examples kind of come out after, um, uh, with the Deuteronomy six reference, but I think people do it when they just make vows, you know, God, give me this. Um, if you'll just, if you'll just do this for me, then, then my life will be complete or my life will be okay. Um, when they don't really value the provision and blessing that God has already provided for them. Now, our writer of the personal study guide text, Juan, he he tells a story, which is cute, about when he was in, in, in elementary school, wondering if the girl would like him. So he said, okay, God, let the, let the air conditioner come on when I say come on, because it was on a thermostat. And so he said, now. But the thermostat didn't come on. I mean, and we look at that as cute as a kid, you know, those kind of things. But some people do some things that are a lot more serious than that. Like, well, I think this is what God wants me to do. So I'm going to step out on by, you know, put quote marks by faith and do this. Whereas God may not have given any direction, but they're just stepping out there, assuming that God's going to turn around and bless them, even though he may not be behind that at all. And I think that's a way we test God. Well, he'll, he'll, I'm going to do this because I want to do this for him, so I'm sure he'll bless it. So Jesus has quoted Deuteronomy 6, where this passage, do not test the Lord your God. So let's look at this passage uh, in its kind of fuller context as we did last week in Deuteronomy 6. And I'm going to again, uh, I want to pick up in verse 16. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massa. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God the decrees and statutes he has commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that you may prosper, and so that you may enter and possess the good land the Lord your God swore to your ancestors by driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. So let me ask a question here. Uh, he says, don't test the Lord as you did at uh, Massa. Jeff, give us the background, what he's talking about here. Okay, at, at Massa, he's referring to the incident that's recorded in Exodus 17. Uh, if if uh, our the listeners want to go back and, and read that entire account. Um, but it's when the, Moses was leading the children of Israel uh, through the wilderness, and they had got to Massa, and they were complaining about water. 
uh, and they were basically demanding that God provide water for them to drink um, as a demonstration of God's caring for the people. Jeff, what's amazing to me in that account, how they grumbled, this wasn't years later uh, after coming out of Egypt. This was just, I mean, this was immediately after this. They'd seen, so days. Yeah, they, they'd <laughs> seen the, 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 the plagues. They'd been protected from the plagues. There was the crossing of the Red Sea, all these miraculous things. And it's like, well, God, you did all that, but hey, uh, you, you can't deliver water. It's amazing how they complained. It really is. And, and, and the fact that they just right out of the gate are like, why did, why did we have to leave Egypt to come over here and die first? <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a continuing uh, refrain for these people. Yeah, it is. It's really, uh, it, it's really sad, and I think it's the 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 bulk of Moses' frustration with it is, uh, and and he basically told them, um, "You guys are really not complaining against God; you're testing Him." You know, and and I think Moses' frustration was that, like Lynn said, God had been providing this whole time, uh, everything they needed the whole journey. And instead of responding with thanksgiving and praise to him, they responded by grumbling and complaining. And I, and I think, boy, if there's a if there's an indictment of modern Christianity, that that may be one of them. And I read this and I just want to shake my head at these Israelites. And I'm always convicted when I do that because I realize, you know, I do the same thing. Uh, just earlier this week, I was uh, reading in the Gospels and where uh, Jesus had to remind the disciples, hey, remember when I fed those 5000 people? And how I provided. And you remember when I fed those 4,000 people? It's like he's having to remind them of things they had just seen and experienced that, okay, I took care of those. I'm going to take care of this. So when I went back to look at Exodus 17, just like Jeff uh, told us about there a few minutes ago, Moses, when he goes to God about this, he is in fear for his life. He thinks these people are going to stone him. So there is a there is some tension and a sense of urgency uh, in in the whole Masa um, experience. Um, so we talked a little bit about the the Israelites and their their leanings toward grumbling and complaining. Uh, we see it. We'll see it numerous times as we if you look at the scripture and the story of that generation, Lynn, that you described that God. They they live through the plagues. They live through the the Passover. Uh, they live through the crossing of the Red Sea and all of those things. And still they complained and they griped. Um, in in Psalm ninety five, uh, the psalm psalmist talking about uh, about God's response to that group. Uh, God said, "For forty for forty years, I was disgusted with that generation." Listen. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that generation that God has gone. Oh, those people, I, they, I, they disgusted me. <laughs> I, I, I think we can do better than that. That's right. So uh, I look at this passage as a whole, you know, don't test the Lord, but what he says right after this, but so just carefully observe the commands of the Lord, your God. And I want us to see the results of that. Instead of testing him or grumbling, just just obey him. Just just do what he says, and you're going to see what happens. Because he says there in verse 18, do what's right and good in the Lord's sight, so that you may prosper and you may enter and possess the land. It's like God saying, look, you don't have to test me. Just do what I say, and you're going to see I will bless you in this. 
I agree, Lynn. And uh, one of the things I actually wrote in the commentary was re regarding this is the for some reason, I think we've got it in our minds that the Bible is simply just a book to be studied. But it's not just a book to be studied. It's a book to be studied with the intention of obeying what you study. And I think we always omit the second part of that. Uh, we like to have the knowledge, but we don't really have the knowledge with the intent of actually doing what God wants us to do. And we dig ourselves a lot of holes. Which is why if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you will hear me frequently remind you, save time for application at the end. Because it's pointless if we just have a Bible study where we learn Bible facts, learn doctrine, but we never do anything with it. God's call here is just basically through Moses, just do what's right, trust me, and you will prosper. And that gets us actually to the next section where, as we say, we don't test God, but we will experience his goodness and his faithfulness as we obey his word. Let me go back to verse 20. When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh and all his household. But he brought us from there in order to lead us in and give us the land that he swore to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God for our prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So this is a great summary to Deuteronomy 6. It begins with, you know, be sure that you're... Uh, that you love the Lord and that you're you're following him and that you're teaching your children these things, uh, that you're in every aspect of your life that you're living it out. And then he ends with um, in the end, your kid, your your future generations are going to say, why? Why do we do this? Why do we pay attention to these things? And and you begin to tell your faith story. You begin to tell your experience. You begin to tell what God has done for you. And my hope is that in our groups, uh, we'll be challenged to think through how how will I respond to that? How can I tell the people who are coming after me, or how can I tell my peers this is this is what I've experienced. This is what God has done for me. This is why I follow the Lord and and keep His commands and I'm obedient to Him. And this is what our church has experienced. This is what our family has experienced. We we have seen God be faithful. So. Those things are very important for us to find a way to contextualize and to put that into practice in our lives. I, I do think it's important to uh, a lot of people think evangelism or, or soul winning is uh, uh, some grand uh, endeavor. It's just like what Chris said. It's just telling people what God's done, uh, telling people what, the, which is, I think, the point of uh, Moses is instructions in Deuteronomy uh, uh, chapter six. Uh, he told the people to just tell the kids what happened because they're, they're going to want to know. People want to know. And so we just share. I think it's important. So as we wrap this up, just this reminder, there's no reason for us to give in to the temptation to test God. So when we look at all he's done for us through Jesus, we can trust him. He's there and he takes care of us and his plans are best for us. 
And as we saw as this wrap up, we experience God's goodness and faithfulness as we obey his word. Hey, let me offer uh, real quick, uh, let me point to something that's in your personal study guides, whether you're a leader or a group member, there's a, there's a piece in there that's called engage. And now we typically don't refer to this in the podcast because it's part of your personal preparation and many of the leaders will bring it up in the classroom, but there's an activity that's in, in your session. Every session has, it's called engage. And the reason that's there, it's not just busy work or just, you know, something fun. The intent is to do that because it's going to engage your thinking in a different way. It's going to, it's going to ask you to kind of look at this, maybe from an application viewpoint, but I really want to encourage you to spend some time, but it's five minutes of your time, engage with that piece that's right there and let it really challenge the way you think through the process of what we're studying here. Hey, Jeff, thank you for being with us today. It's nice to meet you and uh, appreciate your writing. You did a great job. Well, I appreciate it. It is an honor to be here. I, I appreciate you guys and what you do and um, anytime. Thank you. All right. And uh, Chris, enjoy being with you for this conversation. And all of you have been listening. Thank you for joining us. We really do hope you have a great uh, and fruitful Bible study, whether you're at home preparing or you're with your group. I hope it's a great study and we look forward to being with you next week.